there's a lot of people out there, even in this high-end specialty coffee market, who still say there's not much of a difference between pre-roast and post-roast blends. And I have to disagree. The date of August 23rd would live on in history forever because we started filming the podcast in a new area. Our new studio. Our new <laughs> studio? What? Yeah, got to get started early to avoid anything else happening in the roastery, but here we are. Yeah, we'll call it that. Uh, if you're tuning into video, then you're going to notice some changes. We were like, we're a coffee podcast, so we should do this in a coffee environment. Yeah. Wow. So now, for you listeners, we have the beautiful backdrop of our lab area, our powder green, pow- powder, powder coated, powder coated green. green. La Marzocco Strata three group behind us. Would you say it's a hunter green? Forest, maybe. Forest, right? okay. With yeah. a yellow mustard accent. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little more on the goldy side. Dijon. Starting to <laughs> lean gold, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just it just gets juices flowing out here. I know. I I for one want some coffee right now. Oh my gosh, me too. And thankfully, we've been sent coffee. From none other than Split Log Coffee Co. Oh, yeah. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Welcome to, I mean, one of the new ways we want to start our podcast, which is we always make coffee, but we ask for people to send in their coffee to us and uh, maybe get some honest feedback. Yeah. Things that we like. Maybe, you know, we're not the, uh, the czars of coffee quality or preference here, but, you know, we just figure share what we know and share our thoughts on it. Uh, Ross has created a beautiful coffee brewing station. Courtesy, <laughs> it's like he's pouring water on the ground. Courtesy of a five-gallon bucket upside down. Um, Two, actually. Check that out. But, man, I'm, I'm just happy to be in studio with you guys. New day, new time frame. How are we feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. Um, you know... Thanks, Split Log, for being the first to take us up on our offer. Uh, if you're out there and you want to send us some coffee for a honest review on air, if you feel like you got the chops, dang! Like we said, we're gonna be we're gonna be real about it, and I think it's gonna be fun. I'm excited to try some new coffees, aren't you? I am, man. I really am. We do drink a lot of uh, our coffee here, so yeah. The uh, the ability to diversify sounds pretty pretty slick. Um, Does sound slick. Well, I believe we're brewing. Ooh, can I see the bag? Yep. Maybe I'll jump into a bag review here. I know Ross has got some opinions already, but this camera. That's your camera. Hey, look at this. This is the coffee bag. So they got like a a foil wrap. Over top to a ribbon to cover it. Focus on Ross's face. Oh yeah, sorry, Ross's face. <laughs> um, a couple things I like the sticker. It doesn't look like a classic like glossy matte or matte sticker. It's got some texture to it, um, and a little like ink thing going on. Um, one thing that I always want is to know like where the company's from. I didn't see that on there. I was like, so I did just Google split log, but that's picky because for probably 99% of people, you would probably assume 
if they're buying coffee, they know where they're getting it from. Mm. Correct me if I'm wrong. But also often, coffee's a gift that you want to like represent your hometown. You know, we have that great ability to do that here in Alpharetta and Dunwoody. So having like our roastery address on it can be pretty cool. I mean, to your point, sometimes coffee is on the shelf of a multi-roaster. And it's this like rotating. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, sure, maybe you, you'll talk to the barista about it. But if you're going over there and not talking to the barista, it might be Because nice you're at a multi-roaster. Yeah. But, you know, this... I don't know how long Split Log's been in the game, but, you know, we had a similar bag set up to this before we had custom bags because for those of you who don't know out there, custom bag minimum order quantities are just insane. They're steep. And uh, it makes it tough to pull that trigger, especially when you're first getting started. Um, So, you know, I know with us, we changed a lot between... Our iterations, all of our iterations of bags, but oh man, yeah, and you're always so excited for the iteration, and then by the end of doing a new one, you're you're just ready to move on to the new thing. I feel like something that we thought about for the probably the first time was user experience. That's not something we we considered heavily early on, mm-hmm. but I know Ross mentioned he was having a hard time like opening this bag. Yep. Well, that has a couple sides to it. To your point about the standard black bag and how the order minimum for that is, it, I mean, you just always buy those in big bulk. And mm-hmm. so uh, I was very impressed with how thrifty they were with the bag design using uh, stickers instead of custom bag, like you said. But The foil, we, the foil <clears throat> sticker is a nice Oh, yeah. Touch. Foil is always, is always sexy. But... Um, I, I never want to feel like I am irreparably breaking something whenever mm-hmm. I open a bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how the bag comes uh, is... Like folded over. Yeah, folded over. You can show the camera there. It c- comes like that, and it is it is affixed on the back. Show, so show the back. This really <laughs> wants to lock it on your faces. Sorry. I, I'm trying. I know you're trying. It's okay. Okay. Anyway, so on the back there, uh, why is the autofocus too good? On the back there, uh, you can see that there is a foil sticker, and so you have to break that. And nobody has scissors on their person. Um, and then after you break that, you ha- when you open the zip tag, you have to break it again. And something that we always think about is uh, where and how our bag is living once it has been opened. And uh, because this is going to sit in someone's kitchen or in our case, in our roastery or again, in our case on a podcast and how the bag or the box or whatever packaging it is, how it looks after it has been opened matters a lot because if it's an eyesore, which I don't think this is an eyesore, but a ripped, uh, a ripped tick sticker, uh, you know, that doesn't look amazing. So Their whole name being intact on the back from the sticker yeah, is nice. That's a good touch. I'm sure that was thought, thought out. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm impressed by how thrifty they got with the bag. It, it doesn't look like a cheap bag. It, it almost looks like, wow, this is like a custom thing. Yeah. Um, and I also appreciated the different textures on the stickers. But enough about the packaging, guys. Come the on. Ends, the ends, yeah, the, the ticket. 
type of ripple effect. Oh, yeah. The ink, the handwritten. Yeah. It's, it's rose nice. date. Good job, guys. It's awesome. Oh, rose date's on there. Yeah. So we're drinking, it's a naturally processed uh, Guatemalan uh, from Las Guacamayas. Um, something that jumps off the page for me, this is something we were looking to talk about, is flavor notes. Okay. And the the notes here are banana, papaya, and vanilla. I don't know about you guys, but I see banana. I get a little afraid. Mm. Why is that, Ethan? Um, usually when I see banana, it's due to like a, a funky natural process. Like, And this could just be poor personal experience, but we paid, uh, we bought a pretty cheap natural as our first ever naturally processed coffee when we started roasting back in 2018. And that thing just tasted like ripe, ripe banana in the worst Jigesa. way. Yeah, Jigesa. Jigesa. So I'm excited to see if, like how banana comes out maybe in a positive way where they're like, this is cool. Banana is cool. Any comments there? I would agree that the, the overripe banana thing can be cool because I always enjoy tasting. What one thing I taste in coffee a lot is Jamaican rum. Mm. I don't know if we've got any any cocktail aficionados out there, but um, there's this like this funk, and when I say funk, it's almost like a rotten thing. Yes, and that can there can be a, a case for that in coffee. In some really good coffees I've had, taste like that. But I think the problem with our first natural Ethiopian, Ethiopia Jagesa, was that that was like the only note. <clears throat> and that's what I always want to see in naturally processed coffees is a little bit of complexity because it can be easy for a naturally processed coffee to just taste like fruity and then it gets a check mark because it's just fruity. Yes. Um, yes, yes. But I want to see I want to see some other types of acidity poking through, some citrusy stuff, not just like ripe berry. Yeah, Riley kind of got into that in our last episode about roasting, but I feel like we really hold on to that philosophy. If we're going to bring on a natural, we want to see it have a lot of components of a washed by being like clean and bright, and then vice versa. If we buy a washed coffee, we want to see it have its own complexity and like flavor vibrancy. Mm. It's, it's going to be too hot to drink. Yeah, I right know. Now. That's, I think that's always the thing about it. It's like, well, should we just talk about, oh, oh my gosh, I meant to ask that. Do you guys remember, I mean, we used to eat beans a lot more. Crunch them? Yeah. We used to crunch. We used to crunch beans. Should we crunch, crunch these? I'm going to crunch them. I hate crunching. Let's get crunchy. Will. When was this coffee roasted, by the way? 8-8. Eight, eight. Ah! Tastes like Captain Crunch. So that's a decent crunch, honestly. A decent crunch. That was a that was nice. Do you guys crunch out there, out there in the internet land? Do you guys uh, assess coffee by crunching beans? <laughs> that, that was a big Dale thing. Dale used say, to crunch like all day, every day. Yeah, Dale's been a longtime friend, and he also used to roast, uh, be on the roasting team. So, and he would always crunch. Mm-hmm. But I haven't ever seen that be very evident in the rest of the coffee community. Have you? Mm. I just did it as a party trick when I was into coffee. I'm like, like I can do this. This is why I'm different. Like, I'm him. Mm. You know what I mean? <laughs> Man, that crunch was fantastic. Look into those beans. They seem developed. They look pretty dark. And I'm into it. 
Don't get me wrong. I have often thought of doing an iteration of free throw where it is a 100% naturally processed coffee and we just roast it pretty dark, mm. like darker than workers' comp. And that, like the chocolatiness that you want from free throw comes from just the roast level itself, where, I, and then the chocolate or the fruity part of free throw comes from it being a naturally processed coffee. And I wonder if this is something like that because are any of our coffees this dark? I, I don't, I mean, I'm seeing some, like, there's some shine right there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I would say no, maybe workers comp. Yeah. Maybe our decaf, but that probably doesn't count. Yeah. Hey, decaf coffee. Come on guys. Well, yeah. But you can roast it in like nine minutes and it's still showing some still. oil. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, man, that was a great crunch. It really, I know we we're saying crunch a lot. It really <laughs> did taste like the Captain Crunch berries. Mm. Yeah. You remember, do you guys ever have oops all berries? I was never afforded that opportunity. I no. know. I think it was we got a little too old for cereal like that. At that point. Mm. I eat cereal all the time though. Let me just be clear. You do. I love cereal. Not as a meal. How much do you love cereal? Like um like top three foods. Cereal is an incredible snack. It's like maybe it have you ever seen those YouTube shorts or Instagram reels of those guys who all they do is rank stuff? <sighs> No. I don't know what their name is, but they'll just throw out something that's along the lines of like, all right, uh, I'm going to, th- this is the format. It's like rank one to five without knowing what's coming next. Oh, I've only seen this in football. I've versions. seen that on football th- things. Yeah. I love football. This is Me too. like this, these guys, this is like their entire format. Yeah. And it's working for them. And so it would be like, I would be like cereal one to five without knowing what's coming next. Without knowing what, like, so you tell me one? As a snack, yeah. Oh, one. (laughs) (laughs) What's next? Man, I'm trying to think of a snack you would like more than that. There's nothing. Coffee beans. Dude, chocolate-covered espresso beans. But then I would be like, you know, something else. But they always, like, some. if they hear one they're really compelled about, they'll put it at one. But they always, like, try to leave one for the last one. And then... Like, sometimes it'll be, like, tuna salad or something like that. Oh, man. Yeah. People are into that stuff. People, yeah. They want the quick, the quick hit of the, that 15-second reel. Ross, your dreams might be coming true with this, uh, this free throw rendition yeah. in, the, in the cup. I know. I don't know if I want free throw to be this roasty, but I, I would be interested to play around with that roast level on a natural processed coffee. Mm. There's not, I mean, I guess there's not, like, objective, this is light, this is dark. Maybe there is, but if you look at the bag, it has like a roast profile, and it says it's on the light side. Hmm. So I'm interested what maybe their other offerings are a little bit more second crack esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, Split log. If you want to give any more details of this coffee in our YouTube comments, you can feel free to do that. Uh, and if you want to see them comment, maybe listeners, hey, go there and check it out. On another note, if you're enjoying this podcast so far, like, subscribe comment we've been getting some ratings on really? spotify yeah i've been seeing that number climb are they good or they're good yeah it's, it's like 4.9 at 67 68 people hey. have done it or something like that thanks so only probably only a couple hate it you know yeah and they don't listen anymore so they're not even listening to this review segment right uh so yeah we would appreciate that on spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you listen 
Another note, newsletters. Uh, I don't have a coffee sometimes specific newsletter, but if you want to get newsletters from Valor, I've got one going out this Friday on aging and degassing coffees. There you go. Crap. So uh, I'm going to start. Uh, sorry, we, because you, you. you guys are going to help. Oh, right? yeah. oh, yeah. We do everything. Uh, we do everything together. We are going to start putting out some more informative newsletters because I, I think, and for those of you out there, I'm sure that you would agree. It seems like the standard for newsletters is news and trying to sell a product. Yeah. And those are the newsletters that I hate the most. Unsubscribe. Like a sale. Which yeah. your sales are cool. We I literally have someone unsubscribe to those yeah. for me. And her name is Rachel. That's right. And she's awesome. Uh and but there are some newsletters I don't want to unsubscribe from. Like the, the Valor. Yeah, yeah, I like Valor. First thing that comes to mind, Valor's one. A uh, company I like, Ugmunk. They send one that's like, uh, I think it's every month, and it's like five things I'm digging. Mm-hmm. And it can be like a coffee that he, Jeff, drank. Or oh. it can be a house that he saw on Airbnb that he thinks is really well designed. It's just like that sort of stuff. And... I finally think I'm subscribing to the philosophy of like, okay, we can send out something announcing products because people do click on it and buy the product. I can see it happen. Um, So they wouldn't have known otherwise. But we can also do things that we think are cool for people to read. Yeah. Um, And we can go in whatever direction we want because that's the thing about owning a company. We can say whatever the heck we want. (laughs) (laughs) I like the the idea of it. I could say the next part of that, but I won't. I like the idea of adding value to people's lives through our newsletters uh, as opposed to just like you abandon your cart or like we miss you 30% off or whatever. If you like value being added to your life. Hey, no no shade on uh, customer journey. Of course. Okay. The customer journey is very necessary in the marketing messaging of your business. It just doesn't work on me. You know what I mean? Like, Like, for example... I bought a shirt at J. Crew Outlet <laughs> in Dawsonville. That okay, was your first mistake. eighteen years ago. Well, I, I it's of note because I own like Rachel just thrifts my clothes only, but this time it was like this is a great shirt. I'm going to purchase it with my money, and they were like, "What's your email?" And I'm usually yeah check out. They're asking me about my emails, and I'm usually like, I would rather not give you my email. But Same. I've been thinking a lot about this stuff, so I was like, email listed, blur. Um, and the emails that they sent were all just complete noise. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make me want to buy their product anymore. And like, even with, from a, we could talk about J. Crew all day. I mean, and we are. And we could. Uh, but. No, no, nothing about the newsletters was adding any value to my life. It was all just like buy our stuff, mm. and I'm like, no. Did they thank at least you. say please. I don't think so. Please consider buying our things. I think that you can get away with that. So you're talking about J. Crew with this specifically. Imagine yes. if you were following a clothing brand who like only put out a few pieces a year or something, like the smaller brands who like just have a fall, winter, and a spring, summer drop. Uh, where when they do they, those, they release like 10 items max. I thought people would be more compelled to click on that email. Wouldn't you agree? 
already because they probably have like a more engaged audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I totally, totally agree that like I only, the only emails I want to see are the ones from the newsletters that I specifically pick or an email that says, here's 30% off. Yeah. I'm into that. Because like then that, high that actually does compel me to go buy their product. Yeah. That's money in your pocket. Yeah. But it's also money out of your pocket that maybe you wouldn't have spent otherwise. And what you said too, that's you clicking it off. But I remember being 16, just being able to drive, and I would drive to the J. Crew outlet because I thought it was very cool. Yeah. And I was excited to give them my email. And I was excited to like see what stuff they were coming out with. But then you just get older and you have different interests. Yeah. Like if uh, the Atlanta Falcons email you, mm. you're opening up, you're reading that thing top to bottom, <laughs> you're forwarding it to your friends. Be like, look. Yeah. They're saying that they're three weeks away from the season. Yeah. Like, wow. You can read a calendar. <laughs> they do have a newsletter and I don't read it. I know. I, um, I brought up that example and I knew it wouldn't fly. <laughs> is, there any, what are, is there a brand that you are interested in or attached to at this moment in your life? Man, I'm trying to think of any newsletters that I like. Monk? I have never seen. I've only heard him talk about it. Ben and Jerry's ice cream? Almost. Um, Definitely our newsletters. I read those. Uh, So look for typos? (laughs) No. We'll get get that later. Um, Dude, I honestly, and I'm not not a good... uh, I'm, I'm an exception, not the rule. But I, I don't, I can't think of any brands that I, I'm like into the newsletter. I just don't use my email that way. Maybe that's part of it. Because you're a workhorse, business only, baby. You're a dog. I mean, in the emails, in like receipts. I, I keep emails pretty, pretty businessy. Hey, Ross has got that dog in him. Let's move on. All right. Uh, any thoughts? We've been sipping, sipping, sipping. I am enjoying this. Yes. I like this too. It's it's uh if you go into it thinking that this is going to be a classic specialty coffee, natural processed coffee, it will be not it, you your expectations will not be met. But if you just t- drink this coffee, like it it tastes awesome. Mhm. Um there's it, there's not much complexity. Mm. But that's okay. I prefer it that way. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. For me, yeah, um, you definitely on the sweet in the sense of like finish. Yes, not as like cool beans sweet, you know. Like this is a sweet like, coffee. No, this coffee is sweet like right. that. Right, which I know is what you were thinking. Um, yeah, it's got good sweetness. It's definitely roasty on the front end, but leaves your mouth happy. It's not like it was extracted well. Thank you, Ross. We'll have to pull this on espresso later. Uh, Ooh, I don't know yeah, if you guys all know this, but when I was grinding it, I saw that it was darker and I ground it coarser mm-hmm. than what we normally grind our car- coffee on. Um, and we can get into that another day. But basically, it, I knew that because this was roasted longer, it was going to be extracted easier. It's more soluble. And I think it helped the coffee taste better. I Good think so, I. too. And we can talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, you guys want to talk about the book? Yeah. Any any final words about this? If we have any recommendations for a change we would make? I really don't. Like, if this is what you're going for, then I, I'm into it. I would, I think if this was on drip at our cafe, it would be great. Uh, I think if maybe the 
only thing would be, I don't know what the roast level of their other coffees are, but I, it, this being on the lighter side is a little interesting in just in the perspective of uh, someone who might pick this up and be like, oh, I'm going to buy this natural and go home and drink this natural. Yeah. Um, I think that they could be surprised at what they find. Well, I think there's this sort of half myth, half truth out there, which is that if you have a bunch of different coffees from a bunch of different origins and you roast them as dark as this, they will all taste the same. And this is proving that that is not true because mm. this still tastes like a natural processed coffee. It's got yeah. some fruit um, and it a coffee that, you know, let's just say it's like a, a washed Guatemalan or a whatever. If it was roasted at this level, it would definitely taste a lot different than this. So, um, yeah, if, if split log, if you guys are leaning into that darker uh, roast profile, man, the bugs, Cicadas. the bugs are singing. Uh, Welcome to the swamp podcast. <laughs> anyways, it, it's great. We don't roast this way, but I love the I love the different approach to natural process coffee. Hmm. Shout out Split Log. Thank you for sharing your coffee with us. Oh yeah, thank you Split Log. Chapter seventeen: Learning to be unreasonable. Um, we're just coming from that short but sweet chapter that was Ross's favorite. I'm wondering if this one is your new favorite. It's not, okay? Oh, man. It's not like that. Learning to be unreasonable. Um, so they just found out they were 50 of 50 of the world's best restaurant, and they wanted to... Uh, Boo-hoo, am I right? <laughs> yeah. I read that, and I was just like, there was no bigger feeling of disappointment. Isn't that how it opens... Yeah, um, it's like, like are you serious? <laughs> like you've made it to this point, and I I understand, like, and I respect the hustle, but yeah. like, bro, celebrate your wins for yeah. a minute, and then go again next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this chapter for me is it's the title "Learning to Be Unreasonable." It makes me think of all of these ideas we've had in the past to create a better hospitality experience for our guests. And those ideas are either they, they don't make the cut either because of the fact that our product is a fraction of the cost as their or what our average ticket price is much lower. And so we just don't have the margin or or that, you know, with a lot of their ideas, they have to like hire people to execute them, mm-hmm. hire like entire positions just to have a better coat service, like claim claim service. Or for have someone Google image search every guest yeah so that they can greet them by name at the door yeah i would be kind of scared personally if i walked into a restaurant and they're like <laughs> mr rivers <laughs> yeah hey yeah I, I i mean obviously they stuck with it so it was tried and true yeah but continue well the, just the whole base philosophy behind what they're trying to do is something that we talk about all the time which is treating the guests that come into your cafe, like you are hosting them in your home. And so he talks about removing every single aspect of the, the experience that is leaning towards a transactional type of experience. And so for us, like I was thinking about how the first contact that 
uh, our concierge, which is our registered person, the first contact they have with the guest is standing across a bar with a square register, you know, in front of them, which is a highly transactional Mm. situation. And it just, whenever you have this very audacious yet simple and powerful base philosophy, like treating your guests like their guests in your home, there's just all of these ideas that come out of that because the base philosophy is so pure and potent. And so, but the fruit of that base philosophy can be labeled as unreasonable. And that's why it says learning to be unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want the headache of running a restaurant. I don't want the headache of, I mean, I don't even know what their average ticket price is, but I, I don't want that, but it would be really cool to just have the budget I, to staff people to have assets and resources that allow you to accomplish your ideas. And the last thing I'll say is on the first page, he quotes his dad and uh, the quote is, what would you do if you knew you could not fail? Mm. And that's just another good one to have. You're going to keep that in the noggin. To, to ask ourselves and ask our team. Um, and it, uh, another way of saying that is like, what would you do if you had a nearly unlimited budget? Yeah. <laughs> which it's not unlimited. And I know they, they've also talked about being money savvy, but um, yeah, it's, it's the base philosophy is still awesome to have just to like, what would you do if you couldn't, if you knew you could not fail and how can we treat guests like their guests are guests in our home, removing every single bit of transaction, transactional behavior from the whole experience. Yeah. Like something worth, you know, entertaining is like, uh, you could have more of a just face-to-face environment where you can walk through the menu with a guest and there's no like uh, there's no iPad or anything like that and then you talk about what they want to get and they're like all right great we'll get it we'll get it going you just go go over here now and then they could walk to a terminal and punch it all in and then you just have two concierges and one is walking, they're just switching places and they're uh, going to take the next order. But I love the the part about hospitality being like a dialogue, not a monologue. So instead of like just espousing, this coffee is from this area and it, it was processed this way and mm. these are all of our syrups and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, what do you like? What are you feeling? And we get that a lot, obviously, in coffee, but it was it was cool to see them try to like break down those walls of fine dining because they were, he was talking about how, especially at the time there was just this kind of trend of eating all these crazy things that you don't even know what they are. Like never complain about an ingredient. But, uh, he was saying even when they tried to offer, be like, Hey, is there anything you don't like? Or maybe you're feeling a certain way. They're like, Oh no. Hey chef, we're in the chef's hands. I mean, I remember I do that at restaurants. Oh yeah, whatever, whatever you guys want. But they're like, no, no, no. I, I mean, I personally don't like sea urchin. You know, I'm trying to stay away from that. It's like, like, oh, you know what? Actually, I don't like this. Um, which makes you, I feel like we really ebb and flow as far as a coffee shop goes on like, what do you offer and what do you not offer? Mm-hmm. Because we could have 30 syrups. We could have every 
sugar alternative under under the sky. Equal Splenda, Stevia. Monk fruit, you name it. Um, we could have vanilla syrup <laughs> instead of lavender vanilla syrup. So there's this really, there's an ebb and flow between like this excellence of like, no, we really like this and we want to serve it to you versus like whatever you're feeling, we'll do it. Yeah. Let me ask you something. So you mentioned hospitality being a dialogue and not a monologue. And when someone walks up to the bar, uh, using that mentality of hospitality being a dialogue, what are some of your favorite prompts to use whenever asking someone what they want to order? Cause I, or st- things that you've said or you've heard other people say, whatever, instead of just like, what can I get you? Or like, how right. can I take your order? You know, right. what, what do you like to say that points towards that philosophy? Yeah. Um, probably the only couple that really get the ball rolling, um, would be like, what do you normally like to drink? Yeah. I like that a good one baseline. Too. Like don't, Hey, don't even look at this menu. Be like, what do you normally just enjoy having? Yeah. And that kind of gives you a good, like first path on the decision tree. Um, and then, I'll typically ask something along the lines of like, are you looking to play it safe today or do you want to get freaky? Like, do you want to try something a little wee-woo? Yeah. A little woo-woo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then from there, you can go more like hotter iced, big, small. Like, you, I'll be like, sometimes, are you looking something to sip on or do you want something like shortened to the point? Because, um, you know, being in specialty coffee, it's always a bummer if like you're walking through the seasonal drinks and you like pick the one that's actually like a four ounce signature cortado and they're like, really? Can I just can I buy another one? Can you put yeah. it in the same cup? And you're like, oh, sorry, I, that was a miss. So trying to cover your bases to figure out like what they typically drink, what they would expect, and then if they want to do an iteration of that or try something different altogether. Um, but yeah, then there's just like the lame thing of like. Um, what can I get you? Oh, I don't know. Coffee or tea? Hot or iced? And you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, or or just people that, th- there is a certain type of guest that really does not want to talk and just wants to look at the menu and like yeah. take it in and make their own decision. Um, I think about the, another funny thing that happens is the people who are like, well, what's your favorite thing? Mm-hmm. And the, the honest thought that I have in that situation is like, you don't want to know what I like. <laughs> espresso. Because like I just drink drip or espresso. And it's like, yeah, yeah I, I obviously I tell people that. And I, I'm, I'm willing to share that. And I'll tell them why I like that. But whenever people ask me that, I just completely skirt the question. And I'm like, well, what do you usually like? Like you said, you know, yeah. what, what do you usually drink? Because yeah. we can make you something that's probably pretty close to that and it's probably better than what you've had in the past. Um, and I like, I like what you said about, uh, do you want to just stick to what you normally get or do you want to try something that's like unique to Valor? Totally. Knowing our menu, what do you usually recommend people that are trying to get freaky? Um, if they're looking to try to get freaky in like the coffee world, obviously do like uh, one of our pour overs or an iced coffee shot of yeah. one of our more experimental coffees. Um, kind of back to your question, though, of like if someone asks you what what do you like, 
I try to like lay out three things. Mm. I'll be like, honestly, I stick to like drip or espresso most of the time. But if I'm looking to have like a looking to have fun or it's a hot day, maybe I'll get uh, a nitro cold brew or a nitro lav latte. Um, or if I want something kind of creamy, I'll do like an oat milk cappuccino. Yeah. Give them a couple options to work with. Um, but depending on the day, like I love to push our keg stuff on the weekends just because it's oh, so yeah. easy. I can turn around and get it for them, and it's going to be amazing. I think we push our signature like seasonal drinks a lot um, just because, especially if you're not going to be coming around, it's like this is the chance you have to try something special. So, yeah, those are some fun ways to – I feel like coffee shops are probably more dialogue than – pretty much any service establishment yeah because it's counter service yeah you're making the decision right there whereas at a restaurant you're sitting down with a menu and and he talked about removing menus yes isn't that cool yeah yeah honestly i i get that for it's hard because and we talk about this a lot you know there's the there's a lot of people a lot of different people that come into a coffee shop some people know exactly what they want and they just want to get moving and get out of there some people really like to look at the menu yeah. And absorb it and not ask questions and be like, give me 30 seconds and I will let you know what I want. You're like, awesome. So trying to answer all those questions and make all those people happy would be um, take some innovation. But yeah, I like the idea of taking away menus personally. Stay tuned. Certainly <laughs> interesting. Because it gets sometimes it gets you in trouble, man. People are just like yeah. looking and maybe they pick something that they don't even know they don't want. For maybe sure. I like trouble. <laughs> Maybe we're looking to get in a little trouble. Um, hey, can I talk? <laughs> you can talk now. Uh, I loved this little philosophy here that I think we have loosely adopted and thought about. And I quote, there is by there is <gasps> no better way for a leader to figure out why an, an idea isn't working or how it can work better than to walk a mile in the shoes of the people you've charged with implementing that idea. In general, this is good practice. If you're the CEO of a hotel chain, work the front desk at one of your hotels a couple of times a year. If you run an airline, take a shift at the ticket desk or serve drinks and pretzels in economy. Not ceremonially either. Do the job. I bet you'll be surprised by what you learn. I always was. So I'm sure you feel this a lot as you step away from the bar and then go back for seasons. Totally. I know I've done it whenever I've worked my, my realistically probably one bar shift per year. Your annual. And I'm just <laughs> like, wait a second. Uh, so uh, this is invaluable. Yes. I think a lot of our listeners probably aren't in the place of being super, super removed from their coffee shop and bar. But if you are, and especially if you have uh, done a rollout of some really earth-shaking system, then it probably is pretty important for you to get back there and see what's going on. Riley, I underlined the same exact quote. The same one? Oh, the my same gosh. One. You guys should, yeah, I was going to say you should have The same five. paragraph? Yeah, well, it's just the top half. Oh, but, crap. Dude, yeah, I'm, we talk about this in our orientation all the time, but we put a lot of value on our pit crew because we're not, um, we don't want to be ignorant to the fact that we like know everything about the bar because we used to work on bar. Yeah. Things change, man. People change. And they should. And it should. You've changed. I, I've changed. Um, so 
relying on that feedback of like, hey, this is what I'm experiencing when I work my five days a week here, this friction. It's not like, oh, no, we don't think that's a problem, so it's not a problem. It's like, well, yeah. Yeah, that's that is huge. My last thing was the cognac bottle on the table. Oh my gosh! I was like, whoa! Because do they just take it? No, they they can just pour what they want of it. And I was thinking about it, but it's just the empowerment of like you pour this yourself, and the proof of concept. I'm sure they have had some people come in there and get sloshed off the cognac. Yeah, but if I was there after my dinner, where I've at a restaurant like this, you're there for a long freaking time. And the the only like nine course meal I've ever been to, I think we were there for like three hours. So you're you're in the restaurant for all this time. At the end, they bring that out. You're like, this is an incredible touch. You might pour one glass, but you're not going to sit there and keep pouring glasses. You're ready to get out of that place. So I just putting myself in those shoes, the the feeling of just picking up the bottle in a restaurant and pouring it and alcohol oh, yeah. coming out feels so wrong but so right yeah yeah and i was like how can we do something like that well just to back up the reason they're doing that is because again removing every single transactional aspect of the experience the worst part of eating at a four-star restaurant is when you get the bill and it's a lot and so it's like okay how can we minimize any sort of negative bubble popping uh part of the experience um, and so just to like plop a bottle of nice con- cognac, uh, during that time is it completely tilts the scale to the other side. Mm. But what do they do with the unfinished bottles? I think they just put well, them, put they them didn't, in the bar. They didn't say, but I bet they just keep using the bottle. Oh, for sure. I mean, they just like fill it up more. No, dude, it's just the bottle of cognac. Well, are you thinking that it's always full? Yeah, like they're always putting down a full bottle. Like, a, is that what it said? Did it say full? I can't imagine. What did you, it say, Ethan? I don't know. I just can't imagine Bro. you'd put down like a half open bottle of cognac and be like, "Well, you guys only got half because the table for you drank this much." Yeah, maybe. We want to hear from you guys. What did they do with the <laughs> cognac? I, I mean, that's a lot of cognac to put behind your bar, but I'm like, I guess you could just put a, you know, plop a speed pour on that thing and rock it. It seems, I wonder if they've removed tip from their experience. Because I, I was just interested in this because we were talking about the end situation being so transactional. I just went to book a resi there. You can book a resi at 11 Madison Park tonight, which I think wow. is very interesting. Um, can we think we can get there? <laughs> maybe. Uh, what does it look like? Three sixty-five per guest, uh, and it's honestly not as bad as I thought. You check out on Resi, like you pay on Resi now. So you just don't even worry about it. Yeah. So I wonder. There. I wonder if they still do that. Yeah. Because they're probably. I mean, yeah, they're they're developing, they're adapting. I'm I'm sure they might still do the cognac thing, but one probably not because COVID. True. And then two. Uh, I'm, I, that's, that makes me wonder about tip because if the, it seems like they have eliminated the transaction. So maybe they don't do tipping. Just back, back to uh, another thing they said, that sense of abundance in the restaurant, I think, is one of the key things of treating a guest like they're a guest in your home, that like anything is possible here. I have plenty of everything, and you're not an inconvenience. Big We're not going to run out of anything. 
I think that that does a lot to the customer experience. Mm. Hey, you guys want to move on? I'm dying to move on. Oh my gosh, you're having that bad of a time? I'm having a good time. No, I like this to... new room. Do you guys like it so far? Yeah. The camera is overheated, the middle one. So it overheated? Yeah, we're going to figure the, out. The little guy? It's hot in here? Uh, I don't think so. Because we're hot right now? I think it's because I'm, I'm recording 4K log. Footage. I think it's because you're wearing a red shirt. You're fire on the dance floor, bro. Yeah. That's a good point. What's next, Riley? Well, Q&A time. Let's do it. I love Q&A time. We, we put out a prompt about a Q&A <laughs> on our Instagram. I prefer AMA. Twice. And we got some responses. And we had an email Ooh. as well. Yeah. Are uh, we going to honor that because it was on Instagram? Oh, Yes. Um, we didn't get any X's about and it. And Ethan and I don't know anything about these questions. You guys don't They're know nothing complete about complete surprise. And we to don't us. know anything about the answers. We're just going to make them up. <clears throat> yeah, I guess that's how this works. So, I'll let you guys start with this one. I'm not looking. What's the most awkward customer interaction <laughs> you've ever experienced? Well, it's it's got to be kicking someone out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, we did that You're one. You're going there, okay. Yeah, uh-huh. I don't want to share too much about it because it's, you know, someone's, yeah. someone else's life, but... Well, just speak on principle. Like, what what are the the reasons you would kick someone out? Yeah, someone was accused of, uh, like, videoing people on their phone. Yeah. And this person had a track record already of a couple smaller, more ambiguous complaints. Uh, And Ross and I just had to escort this person out and explain the situation. It's always harder when there's just complete denial. Oh, yeah. You're like, uh, well, sorry. Mm -hmm. Your your word against someone else's and we're just going to it's almost like the opposite of the justice system. It's like guilty till proven innocent in that world. I guess. Which is tough. Um, and, I mean, as awkward as it was, we were like, hey, you know, you can't be here, but if, you know, we don't want to leave you out to dry. So if you want to get lunch yeah. and talk about being a human, because um, obviously you're, if you're doing these things, it's from a, from 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 a pretty dark place. Yep. And we don't want to send you further into that. So, so we actually got lunch with them, and it was, it was also tight. yeah, it's tight. It's also pretty awkward, but yep. um, I mean, I'm glad we we did it, and it was that was probably for me the most awkward interaction. Those things just really build confidence, though, because you just learn you learn what boundaries matter. And what, like, just what you prioritize as yeah. a leader. Yeah, that was the first biggie because I had to do a similar thing just a couple months ago, but it was not awkward for me because I was like, been there before. And it was still a total denial situation. Once again, I was like, well, uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and we, we, we want to take the side of our team. Yes. And, and you can only really do that if you trust your team. Um, and they trust you. So, yeah, awkward, but it built strength and confidence. And it's, I'm not glad it happened, 
but I'm glad that we got to learn that lesson. On a lighter note, I think, <clears throat> did I tell the story on air? I think I told the story about me challenging someone to an arm wrestle, and it was freaking hilarious. Yeah. But then I did it again to someone else. <laughs> this was a big man. Like, he was probably six, eight, and like 300 pounds. Jeez. And he was, he was with a couple ladies. They were getting coffee. And I went up, and I was like, dude, if you want to arm wrestle and win, <laughs> I'll give you a free drink. And he was not pleased. He was like, bro, I'm just here for coffee. Like, no, like back off. <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. I, I overstepped. I overstepped. Yeah. You know, that he's, he's within his right to be upset at that. I guess. Did you overstep? I mean, I, mean, it was, I guess you could have read the one, situation. One could not, one should not have to expect a challenge Sure. Of arm wrestling when they enter a coffee shop. Did you have no like existing rapport with this man or like any Correct. like banter? Okay, Correct. yeah, I can I can see. I mean, I feel like if you they looked like they were having fun. I'll say it. That was the only thing. I was like, they look like they're smiling. Yeah, I just did this a couple of weeks ago. It was hilarious. Let's do it again. And then I just like walked back to the bar with my tail between my legs. Yeah. So well, you took the chance. You, yeah, you gotta shoot your shot. And I brought them the coffee, and I said, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. And then you're like, are you sure? I was like, you don't hey, wanna... dude, you already got your coffee, so... Like, you can are, change your mind. Like, are you scared? Inside. Is that why you don't want to do it? Um, yeah. He wow, may, he that may, is awkward. He may have thought I was trying to hustle him or something. <laughs> For coffee. Sucka. Why even... Five dollars. Yeah. All right, next question. This is from the same, same dude. Oh. Timothy Brennan Jr. Love that guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, what are some good books for managing slash leading a coffee shop? Wow. Mm. Well, I'll start with one that I haven't read, but I've heard a lot of people. Awesome start. People, <laughs> just let's get it out of the way. A lot of people mention it. I think it's everything I know about running coffee shops. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember the author, but have you guys heard of this book? I have heard of the book. Yeah, I've just heard it referenced a lot. Um for me, uh, Excellence Wins, Horse Schultz, I believe is how you pronounce the name. It could I be think wrong. It's Schultzy, actually. Okay. You didn't have to like correct me on air, but. Um, we'll put the <coughs> breakdown of the pronunciation in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. Schultzy. Schultzy. Uh, that one was very inspiring. Um, in terms of uh, running a business, we've mentioned it a lot on the program, but uh, E Myth Revisited. Michael Gerber was a great one visited and then in terms of general leadership and uh how to ins not just manage people but inspire people start with why simon sinek uh those are those are probably three that come to mind for me did you guys like extreme ownership jocko i thought it was pretty boring it left a huge mark on me that's the thing i thought it was boring but I think the principles were lasting. Simple, I, potent message. Pretty much any time there's a situation where I can take ownership for something, I think about that book and I'm like, okay, I need to swallow my pride and yeah. own it. So that left a lasting impact. Um, Somehow I Managed by Michael Scott. <laughs> um, I mean, the coaching habit similarly um, yeah. was not a fun read or maybe good <laughs> but, book, but it, left, it left an impact. And I think about the questions 
that they pose about like asking your team questions to have them open up and I do that. Oh yeah. Coaching is, is less about having all this wisdom that you just dump on people and their lives are changed, but it's from asking the right questions of people like just that books. So many books just have one thing and then they just say it over and over and over again and they like tell stories about it and it's all good, but thesis. Dude, I mean, what's what's the point? Because you don't like the, uh, the bigger the book, do they get, you don't get more money. And it's just like, (laughs) just write a small book. Yeah. It's like, this is the point. Well, I think there's other books no, that... No, There's not just one kind of book, Ethan. Let me introduce you to a new concept. Variety. Um, you know, like... Genre. Just like... I feel like there's more and more books out there that are like, you know, like 12 Rules for Life, Jordan Peterson. Like, just there's like... That's actually like 12 separate things. It could have been 12 books. I feel like I've just been seeing more and more books that it's like more... We can all agree there are a litany of books. Okay, <laughs> books published every day, <laughs> every minute. There, oh, look, a book just got published. Um, we can't go without saying Five Dysfunctions of a Team." Oh yeah, by Patrick Lencioni. Mm. He's um, good. He's oh. They tell he he tells his books in the forms of fables. You're either gonna love it or you're gonna hate it. Yeah, I don't think I've met anyone that hates it. So I think everybody loves I it. Have. Dale. Dale doesn't like much well, though. <laughs> Dale's tough. What does Dale like? Okay. Uh, golf. Hey, great. Like fly fishing. Great uh, question. Hey, do you think I can answer it? Mm-mm. Trying to move we on. We already said all the books. This is about us. Uh, very recent for me, uh, Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. Kinda, you keep talking about that book. Kind of changes the philosophy of how to hire people, and especially if you are managing or especially owning a business to hire people that are going to replace tasks that you do instead of hiring people to grow your business because who's the best person at growing the business a lot of time? The entrepreneur. Yeah. The one who is driven to do that. Who do you so, think you are? I am. Who do you think you are? I am. Uh, but that's one for me. Another one, Make Time by Jake Knapp and some other guy whose name I forget. But also ends in Knapp, right? no. John something Smith Allstott. I think his you last name Allstott. is like John. Like his last name starts with a Z, so there's no way I'm gonna get that. Oh man, uh, <laughs> Mike Allstott. He was a dog. Come <laughs> Power of moments. Shut up. Uh, no power of moments isn't up there. For in me, terms sorry. of leading a cafe, is the question. Uh, make time in terms of. I mean, it it says managing slash leading a coffee shop. I mean, realistically, just. Uh, you know, to make you better at work in general, make time and buy back your time. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm a big time guy. Time, you time, are. Time is money. Atomic time. habits. That's good. I'm, I'm, I'm talking some self-development here, but, but it's all applicable to Well, the best way to be a good leader is to develop yourself. So yeah, that oh makes total gosh. sense. And let me say, finally, the Bible. Because, yeah. you know, yeah. there you go. That's the best one. Sorry. There's some things about leadership in there. Definitely. I win. Uh, all right. Next question. Do I get the point for that? You get a point. Yes. Have you have y'all used a Bialetti Mocha Express Pot? And your thoughts on those for espresso? <gasps> I have. Oh, it, such a good question. It's been years. Uh, what about you guys? I have never. You've never used never one? Touched one. I think. Oh, 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 oh! Someone came to my house for dinner and they used it, and I watched them. There you go. That was the closest. So you I could got. talk about that. Did you yeah. taste the coffee? Um, it was. For 
Apagatos. It was decaf. So it was probably great. It was awesome. That, that sounds pretty cool. It was pretty, Have you used one? I used to own one. Until but I, I didn't I use probably, it. I probably <laughs> used it twice. And then yeah. I Did it just it, sit on your stovetop? No, it just, just like in storage for years yeah uh i gave it to my sister-in-law and i don't know if she uses it if you're listening shay uh let me know if you use it which she is listening yeah for sure um the only thing i know about mocha pots is and this is coming from someone that probably like six years ago used it probably once a week for like three months that's probably my my (laughs) your background my background uh with mocha pots but uh I just remember it being like a fine to medium grind. Um, And I remember the one hack was to warm up the water that you put in the bottom before you like warm it up separately and then pour it in the mocha pot and then let the percolation happen once the water is already at like 170 instead of just putting room temp water and then heating this whole thing up including the ground coffee and like you start like cooking literally cooking the ground yeah coffee. help me help me remember is it coffee and water in the base so you have the the base that's oh, just water okay and then a filter yep and, and then it up. percolates up and then spews out it's cool to watch it's very cool to watch especially when it has some crema mm. um was the question like is it a viable espresso it said and your thoughts on those for espresso for espresso yeah. um i i feel like we none of us just have the experience to yeah. speak on I, specifically we a, we espresso i just think there's better options at this point personally yeah like i'd probably get an aeropress with a fellow prismo if i was gonna do what's a fellow's prismo it's an attachment that you put on the bottom of the aeropress and it pressurizes, and so you can get a shot of espresso with crema on it. Yeah, like that would probably be my go-to, uh, especially just for ease of use. Do you know how much well. a Prismo is? I mean, I mean, like I, two, five, <laughs> like one to three. One to three times ten. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's. I think they're like thirty dollars. So oh, okay. oh, it's a thirty dollar attachment for your forty dollar Aeropress. So you're not. You're not even triple digits yet. Yeah. I will say the whole notion of boiling water and then that brewing your coffee at 212, mm. like that, that doesn't sound you're getting, that doesn't sound like you're getting an optimal extraction. Yeah. Because water for coffee should be around 200 degrees, not 212. Um, that would be a good question to ask. Like, can you brew good coffee with boiling water? If you had the right grind setting, because the hotter the water, the more you know pr- prone to extraction. The easier it is to extract. But anyways, we the, gotta put that on the to do list. Yeah, you talk, keep talking about this to do list, man. All right, next question: What's your approach to blending coffee, and how do you make it stand out from the rest of blends? Take it away, Riley. <sighs> We've thought a lot about this. So, and there's a lot of people out there, even in the specialty. Uh, you know, high-end specialty coffee market who still say, you know, there's not much of a difference between pre-roast and post-roast blends. Huh. Whoa. Isn't that interesting? Whoa. And I have to disagree. Oh. Do you know why they say that? Or is it just a total mystery? It's a total mystery to me. I, I don't know why they would say that either. Agreed. Uh, so 
pre-roast versus post-roast blend means in a pre-roast blend, you blend the green coffee together and then drop it into the roaster and roast it. A post-roast blend means that you you take the single origin coffees and you roast them separately, then you blend afterwards. That is the philosophy that we subscribe to because it just makes more sense. You're roasting each coffee to its optimal level and then you are blending the coffees together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't. that's not the question they're asking, but I just wanted to say that. That's, that's step one, post-roast blending. Um, so roast the coffees, cup them separately, you're tasting them separately, all that, then make your blends from that point. As far as blending coffees, I'm not going to lie. It's just a lot of experimentation. So... The kind of the start or even just like when you're sample roasting a coffee from an importer to potentially put it into a blend, you roast the coffee and then you just get it on the cupping table as a single origin, you know, pour the water as a single origin and then you get another cup and you just take spoonfuls of each coffee and you put them into this cup and then you might sip it and be like, and then you do it again. Once you figure out there, then you're going to actually blend the dry coffee together and mm-hmm. then grind it and then brew it together and maybe do a few different samples. So all I can say is trial and error. You know, uh, if, if you have a profile profile you are looking for, like for us with free throw, it's like we want a mostly chocolatey cup with a, some nice fruity tones that are definitely present but not overpowering. So we then source coffees to fit that need. Uh for us, it's like we want a pretty one-dimensional chocolatey coffee and a very fruity, punchy coffee, and we're going to blend those coffees to where, you know, we're getting the profile out that we want. So take your, you know, what you're trying to achieve and then work backwards from there. So for tan lines in the summer, it's like, how would you guys describe tan lines? Well, I, it definitely needs to be fruity, but it also needs to. When I say fruity, I always mean like a ripe blueberry, or like a berry fruitiness. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that? When you hear fruit, because like lime is a fruit, but when you oh that's a fruity coffee, <laughs> you wouldn't really like say like think of immediately like oh it's limey. You know what okay. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like berry fruitiness, which is the the Ethiopia Worker Sakaro anaerobic natural in the blend, but also we blend in that Kenyan, which is just like an acid trip, uh, no reference intended. Um, but also sweet, <clears throat> very sweet. Yeah. Sweet, major acid, uh, funk, funk and just 50, 50 just works. Yeah. So talking about just tan line specifically, if a wholesale partner asked about that coffee, how would you describe it? without describing the origins of the coffee. I do think that is a pretty origin highlighted coffee. Yeah. But yeah. I'm saying like how would you describe just the profile of tan lines? Clean, refreshing, punchy. Mm. Yeah, it's just the perfect summer coffee. Like you want to drink it iced. It is sweet. It's fruity. Are you about to cry? <laughs> it's so good. And September's coming. Yeah, you know, that's right. True. Hayride is among us. Yeah. Doot, doot. So with that one, you know, Hayride, you're like, what kind of coffee do you want to drink in the fall time? Something pretty chocolatey, maybe a little bit more spicy. Yeah. Uh, maybe you know, 
86 the fruit a good bit yeah. in that one. Uh, so then we can work backwards from there. We're like, what coffee could bring us a little bit of spice? I instantly think of like a PNG or a Sumatra or a Rwanda, something of those sorts. Uh, and then, you know, then we can kind of figure out what we want as our chocolatey component. So always start from what you're trying to get out of a profile and then work your way back. That's what I would say as yep. my main answer. Um, speaking of tan lines and tan lines going away, if you would like to try tan lines, you have what two more roast days? Jeez Louise. Maybe three. I don't yeah. know what the dates are exactly. Uh, so go ahead and use the code I love tan lines at checkout and you can get tan lines for 20% off. See, there we go again doing newsletter stuff on the podcast. Newsletter stuff? Yeah, you know. You know, the podcast is a newsletter in a way. It's one big long newsletter. This is kind of like the news. Next question. Uh, oh, whoa! <laughs> what do you guys think about that? That was awesome. It sounded like you were like reading one, and then another one like oh, like, asserted itself. How do you approach challenging decisions as a leadership team? Say that one more time. How do you approach challenging, challenging decisions, decisions as, as a, a leadership, leadership team? team? Uh, oh, like making challenging decisions. I thought at first I was like, how do you make how do you challenge decisions <laughs> as a team? And I was like, that's a good question. But this is a good question, too. This one was asked by Ross's mommy. Aw. God bless her. Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is uh, shared values. Boom. And um, shared values does kind of make challenging decisions way more automatic when you say yeah it's a it's an sop for life absolutely and relationships and just business partnerships and hiring and all that um that's more at its fundamental sense if you all have shared if we all like the three of us have shared values in a lot of ways but we have different giftings and different emphases that we have a greater <laughs> proclivity towards a, lit, a litany, um, would you say? A litany, a litany of emphases. <laughs> There's a litany of emphases. You know, where <laughs> Riley uh, might be more focused on one thing, Ethan is more focused on another thing. And so we can all have the share, shared values, but the like, like I said, we, we lean towards different areas. And so when you come at those values from different places, you're able to have a melting pot a crucible as Co a, a cosmic gumbo. Bro, you're just saying so many things right now. <laughs> it's more of a crucible, uh, if you really think about it, uh, where the idea is in the center and we're all just like dissecting and critically sure. thinking about it and coming at it from our own places. Um, and that is uh, partly the, the emphasis, not the emphasis, I wanted to say that word again, uh, just the pro of having business partners. Um, yeah, knowing the rules of the game is pretty important too. To get a little more like nitty gritty, like what is who, who's the makeup of the team and what is the decision making process actually look like? So if it was the three of us making a decision, we would reference something that we drafted when we started the company, which would be an operating agreement, and we decided all the way back then that we had to come to unanimous decisions. Yeah. Um, instead of like a majority play. Um, and I think that's really important too of how we frame decision-making is we know that we can't just like you and me can't be like, yeah, we can 
are we good? Are we good to make this decision? We both feel the same way. Yeah. But it forces you to like, everybody's got to work together to come to the solution. Um, it does get more dynamic when maybe you have a team that maybe I'm leading and there's like two people in authority as well in the company, but I have like final say. Or if uh, we're trying to make a decision, but it's about an area that you're leading, yeah, you know, figuring out how the scales weigh out um, is really important. Well, you're naturally at a disadvantage if every decision has to be made by all of the leaders unanimously. Mm. Like the goal is to have made enough decisions together where each individual person is able to make that decision quickly. Mm-hmm. And making decisions fast, especially in business, is mm-hmm. a skill to learn um, to where whenever you come to the table of, you know, in our owners meetings, a lot of it is just like kind of making decisions and making calls. And when you have to spend 30 minutes processing how you feel about something in that meeting time slot, you've you've made less decisions and you've made you may have gotten to the same decision after all that time but just being able to make a call based off of your values and not let the emotions derail what you actually think should happen i think is also something that we've really grew in over the years yeah and i think being real with yourself that a lot of the decisions you make on your own aren't going to or like if you make a decision about something and I don't like the decision that you made, what's done is done and it's not going to bankrupt the company probably. Yeah. So I, that happens a lot of times and it, it's net positive because we didn't have to spend an hour dissecting this in our owner's meeting. Uh, so I, we've never had to reference our operating agreements like mediator clause because we've always been able to come to conclusions ourselves. Uh, yeah. Knock on wood. And it's because we're aligned with our values. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. Uh, we have an email with a few questions, and I think that I would like to answer the whole email, but we just don't have the time. So we're going to answer a few of these in a lightning round style of format that I think wow. some of them are will we'll be able to give pretty easy answers. Any advice when it comes to the pros and cons of purchasing versus renting a space? How much does renting limit what you can do with the build-out? I'll just answer that really quick. Uh, We have never even come close to considering purchasing a space, and I would say most people in this business don't. It's just not a viable option. Um, So renting it is, and a lot of times, especially when you are on a triple net lease, it means that you can do pretty much whatever you want with the space. You just supply your landlord with the scope of work, and... Uh, they aren't going to complain much about it. You're improving their space from its previous state. That's almost a guarantee. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and but on the flip side of that, you are liable for a lot of things. Like if the air conditioning unit breaks, you have to spend eight thousand dollars to get a new one. Not that we're speaking from experience or anything. Yeah, of course. yeah, but just understand that. But uh, if you have the money to to buy a space, I mean, better on you. But it's going to take you a lot of time to pay that off. So. Uh, if you if you just look at it over the course of 10 years, you know, a lot of real estate, especially commercial real estate, if you're thinking about buying a $1 million building, uh, your rent on that space would probably be, call it, I don't know, $3,000 a month. So it's going to take you 30 years to 
recoup unless you have the ability to rent out other parts of that space to other tenants, mm-hmm. uh, like if it had multiple units in it. So if that's what you're into, if you're trying to get into the real estate business, trying to be a landlord, I would do that, but I personally would not buy an individual space myself for that one specific space. Uh, yeah. So next question. Did proximity to competitor cafes influence your t- decision on locations? How so? I think we typically just consider where specialty coffees is not as a service to that community, but uh, yeah, like in Alpharetta, we opened up and we we're definitely the only like specialty cafe. There was like a bre- there is a breakfast place nearby, but it was a pretty different audience. Um, and then other shops have opened up, and I haven't really seen a difference. I think there's, and there, oh, those places are doing great. I just think there's a lot of people in an area that you choose to put a coffee shop. So yeah. I wouldn't say, I mean. Just to be clear, I would open something across the street from another specialty coffee shop if if the situation was right. If it was I wouldn't do pl- it just like as a spite store. Yeah. Well, uh, if it's in, the reason why all these other shops that have opened are doing well and we're doing better than ever, ever better than ever is because we're in an amazing opportunity, yeah. Alpharetta. Like it has grown so much. And I think that that's this is sort of alongside the question, but looking at the trajectory of the piece of real estate and the city and the location in the next five to 10 years, do you believe in that trajectory? Because if you do, then more coffee shops will open after you do, but that is okay as long as you stay on top of your stuff. In Dunwoody, we uh, opened up in the same parking lot as a Starbucks. And I, I, I think that is something that we really do not consider at all. Just yeah. like, or we don't, we don't give it much thought, really. Um, I think other people think that we did. Yeah, yeah. Like, ooh, going after Starbucks. Like either like, going after Starbucks or why would they open with Starbucks right there? Like, aren't they afraid? But it's just like, if anything... If anything, it's a pro that Starbucks is right there. Yeah. They have a lot more money to do market research than we do. To, to, yeah, <laughs> so. we, we just go everywhere they go. Yeah. Totally. Great. Not, uh, a, not a bad business plan. Next up, was adding a food program on your mind since the beginning, or did it become a necessity for profit margins? I think we very recently talked about this in another one of our podcasts uh, to the uh, individual who's asking this question, maybe just listen to our recent catalog, but uh, we did not do it because of a necessity for profit margins, and I would say that that would be a very uh, sus decision uh, to add a food program. We, I actually joked about how we've said in the past that, oh, they're launching a dinner program. Uh, must be... Must be hurting for it. Must be on the way out. So, um, you know... We view food as a supplement to our coffee uh, at this juncture. Doesn't mean we're not going to do it extremely well, yeah. but we haven't launched a full-fledged in-house food program. We might in the future at a location, but that just hasn't been for us. So uh, your margin is going to be worse than what it is on your coffee. I can just if you are outsourcing, like you know, bringing in pastries from the outside, that's just how it is. It is customer acquisition in some sense, though. To 
like just for sure a lot of people want to get coffee and a bite on their way to work and you would probably miss out on those customers if you didn't have a food program yeah so as a supplement to the coffee program ross that's what i said yeah uh and then they had several coffee questions um again if you're listening a lot of these are about equipment specifically espresso machines and grinders we have a catalog of episodes about specifically uh our tips for opening a coffee shop, and then we have one specifically on equipment. So I would just recommend listening to that. Booyah. Uh, I think that's about it uh, for this question and answer, or AMA episode of the Coffee Sometimes podcast. I love Q&A. What a good way to break in the new studio. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some hiccups. We're going to work them out. What are you talking about? The cicadas? The cicadas. I don't know what we do about that. We got to turn them off. uh, We forgot to turn them off. Yeah. Uh, You know, we have a camera overheating. Oh. Oh. Is that why it's red? No. (laughs) I seriously answered that as if you didn't. You can buy a new one. We got tons of money. Yeah. Yeah. If you want us to buy a new camera, then Venmo me. Yes. And like and subscribe. And like and subscribe. Love you guys. Love you guys so much. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.